the link between breast cancer and bras is stronger than that between smoking and lung cancer. Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is CJ Grace. Former BBC journalist and public speaker, CJ Grace dealt with discovering her husband's adultery and then getting breast cancer for the second time. She has a BRCA gene mutation that increases her breast cancer risk. Although they may appear to be separate subjects, cancer may often follow or be followed by infidelity. CJ's new book, My Wild Ride, How to Thrive After Breast Cancer and Infidelity is a candid comic memoir and uplifting survival guide. Her first book was Adulterer's Wife, How to Thrive Whether You Stay or Not. After receiving a copy, Ariana Huffington invited her to be a HuffPost contributor. A BBC broadcaster and voiceover artist in the UK, CJ later worked for China Radio International in Beijing. Now divorced and US-based, her mission is to help people use adversity for positive change. My guest today is going to be talking about a controversial topic, but in her experience, she believes it's undeniable. CJ Grace is talking about the link between betrayal and cancer. Now, instead of getting angry or defensive, please give it a listen and see if there are any nuggets that you can apply to your experience. Personally, I know when I'm triggered by something, it usually means I'm rejecting something that wants and is ready for my attention. So with an open mind, join me for a great conversation with CJ. Here we go. All right, everybody. I am here with CJ Grace today. And I can already tell we're going to have a very interesting conversation and um, something that may be inspiring, enlightening, aggravating. It could go in any direction, but I'm really excited to get the conversation going. We're talking about the link between betrayal and cancer. So welcome, CJ. Thank you so much for having me on your show today. Thank you so much. And by the way, CJ is on Maui, just the most in my estimation, the most fabulous place on the entire planet. So already we're starting off on the on the right foot. So CJ, I'm sure uh, there's a story attached. Oh, to yes. Okay. Can you share your story? Well, in many ways, I was living a charmed life. I had my dream job with the BBC and I was interviewing celebrities and politicians and people making their mark on their world. And Then I got a transfer to China Radio International in Beijing, China, and there I met an American guy and we had a fairy tale falling in love. And fast forward to our 25th wedding anniversary, best one ever, spent in Hawaii where we'd bought a second home. And little did I know that just two years later, both my health and my marriage would be in tatters because my husband was openly carrying on an affair with a woman half his age, whom he refused to give up. And then I was diagnosed with breast cancer for the second time because I carry that BRCA gene, the the similar thing to what Angelina Jolie has that she thought could be a death sentence, a possible death sentence. So it was really a double whammy that left me reeling. I'm sure. So now, I I mean, there are so many ways uh, we can, we can go with this, but let's talk about the first diagnosis. Was that, when did, when did you have the first diagnosis? In 2007, when I was still married, 
And um, the second one was in 2014. Oh. So the second one was actually worse than the first one because I had a little bit of lymph node involvement. And so uh, the doctors recommended chemotherapy, which I didn't have to deal with the first time around. So let's go back to the first diagnosis. W- was the affair happening then? I, and I just I uh, Not the same one, but my husband was having affairs throughout the marriage, but I didn't know about it at that point. And it's a controversial view, but I was actually grateful that I didn't know because it meant that our kids didn't have to grow up in a broken home. It meant that, you know, we didn't have to have that either grow up in a broken, they could either grow up in a broken home or we would have that hanging over us as something that would have made us really get along uh, not well at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got on pretty much quite well. Um, so it was only at the very end, his final <laughs> affair that that I found out about. And, and that was the one that, that uh, broke us up, basically. As, so, as, okay. And I'm just true. trying to... Yeah, I'm trying to put the pieces together. So you're saying 2007, you were married, you had breast cancer, but you didn't yet know about slandering. Okay, so you didn't know. So now, because, you know, we're talking about the link between uh, breast cancer and the infidelity. So are you saying it had to do with the second when you found out by the second time? I, I I wasn't in a particularly happy marriage. Um, My ex-husband wasn't particularly good at showing love. And uh, it was very much that I took care of everything but the work that he did. We had a joint business um, and he was in effect the talent of the business, but I did all the administration. I ran the house. I looked after the children, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, everything except, you know, what he did for his work was my responsibility. And I didn't actually realize how unhappy I was in that marriage until I was out of it, as as is often the case. Um, And to give you a a very stark example, when I went through breast cancer the first time, I had radiation on the left side. And my husband took a look at my breast and he said, oh, it's all dead. It looks like leather. And from that point on, he never touched my breasts during lovemaking. Mm -hmm. And when I later told my radiologist that story, she was incredibly shocked. And I didn't realize exactly at the time how shocking that story is, because it is shocking. And it had a silver lining, because in 2014, when I told my radiologist that story, I was already seeing a lovely boyfriend and he was wonderful when I had radiation on the other side. He he felt it was his duty to make me feel turned on and and um, it it was really, you know, it was really great. I didn't have any of that. And for some reason, um, my ex-husband at that point, I wasn't even, we weren't we were separated, we rarely saw each other. And he happened to see me naked, which I didn't really want him to do. But he sort of looked puzzled. He looked at my the the other breast that had had the radiation. And he said, Oh, it doesn't look dead. And um, I um, spoke to my radiologist and, and said, Well, you know, I've been having a lot of 
of sexual massage from my boyfriend on my breasts. And, and I think it's kept my breasts in good order. And she said, I like that theory. Maybe it's, it's true because you're moving the, the, the lymph around. And so that's a, that's a, that's a, a good idea. Yeah. So, you know, I had this, this notion that, that maybe they should have, you know, studly characters in these cancer clinics to give you good massages on your breasts when you have radiation to keep them living and healthy and happy. That's another theory for sure. So let's get back to it because I'm always interested in the emotions that, that go along with an experience. So here you are, take us back to the earlier days where you didn't even realize something was going, you were taking care of everything. You were taking care of the kids. You were taking care of the house. You were, you know, doing all the work in the business and, and, but what was the, because if we're going to, if, if you're going to tie this to cancer, I want to, I want to really unpack the emotions that you were experiencing. So tell us, was it a feeling of, of just isolation of loneliness of depression? What kind of feelings were going through you? All of those things and anger. Um, and, you know, the thing is that infidelity is actually more than the emotional thing in terms of the stress because stress there are tons of studies out there showing how stress causes cancer and so with infidelity you have the stress of in effect the death of a relationship it's like a bereavement and then on top of that you have the potential of moving out of your home which is a huge stressor because often that's a result of divorce and separation. Um, and then the third one is financial stress, because if you get divorced, usually, if you're lucky, you get half of your assets. And half is definitely less than all of your assets. And for many people, that is a huge stressor. Most people find it very hard to cope and get used to having half of what they thought was all theirs. And so those are major, major stresses. But the, uh, the relationship also goes the other way around, because if you have breast cancer, often that causes men to bail. Not every man is like that, but um, there was a very um, uh, stark studied by um, researcher Michael Glantz of the Phoenix, um, the Barrow Institute in Phoenix, and he found a huge gender disparity in partner abandonment when that partner was seriously ill. Absolutely huge, up to 12 times more when the seriously ill partner was female rather than male. And maybe it's because we've got these caregiver genes, we women, and we stick by our men in sickness and in health. That's the vow we've made when we get married. Um, but that's not so much the case with men. I'm not saying every man does that, but uh, if you look at the statistics, you're much more likely to see it when men. And also the, the other thing is cheating goes on when a woman is sick, because to be stark, if you ain't getting fed at home, you go for a takeout. Mm. And that's sometimes what men do, because when you're going through breast cancer, Often the last thing that you're that you want to do that's on your mind is 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 sex. You you feel crappy, you know. If you're going through chemo, you you generally do not feel at your best, to say the least. And sex may well be the very last thing on your mind. And and often 
that's a reason why men go and cheat. You know, and I'm, it doesn't sound good. I mean, it happened with um, the Edwardses, John Edwards. Um, that was a very public um, affair in the end. It became big news. And um, and then his wife actually died of metastatic breast cancer. Wow. And I want to add to that, too, because also what I imagine the, you know, the, the, the person who's dealing with breast cancer, they're not feeling, they're not feeling well, they're not feeling desirable, let's just say. And then if their partner is not all in and, and, you know, just not responding to them in the way that they need to feel safe, to feel secure, to feel loved, to feel all those wonderful things. I mean, that creates a really negative uh, dynamic. So you were moving through, so you were, that was your experience uh, from the first diagnosis and then, but you didn't know about about the infidelity. So take us. Take I us didn't know about the infidelity, but in retrospect, the way I was treated by my husband reflected that I was not, you know, the main love of his life or whatever. It, it was. It may be that that was just his personality and he wasn't really capable of doing any more than what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously there were good points in our marriage. Otherwise I wouldn't have stuck it out for the, almost 30 years. And we had two wonderful children. So I do not regret it at all um, because regret is about the present. So if you are happy in your present, you don't regret anything. It's not about the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever happened in the past brought me to where I am now. And I'm actually very happy with my life as it is right now. So, and, and I want to get to how yeah. you got to that point. So take us to then uh, the second diagnosis. The second diagnosis was a shock to me because I thought I had changed my lifestyle. I was, you know, eating healthily, exercising. I was, I had this fledgling relationship with this new guy and it was wonderful and passionate and terrific, but it was in some ways too soon to put the burden of dealing with somebody with cancer on on the shoulders of this guy. Plus it was a long distance relationship. So he was in Britain most of the time I was having treatment, even though he was a wonderful support. Uh, You know, he came over once I was doing um, radiation. Um, So, you know, it was it was in some ways a lot worse because I had to go through chemotherapy and um, but and it was a shock because I thought I'd got over all of all of the cancer stuff, been there, done that, you know, Um, and it was also a shock because all of the emotional roller coaster stuff that I was experiencing with the infidelity and I've worked on getting over that I had this sort of six-part program that I was following to help me get over that had to do it all over again when I had the breast cancer Mm. so can you talk a little bit about that six-part program what were you doing yeah you know um the first thing I did I developed this just myself I found confidants and mentors with my best interests at heart that I could, you know, vent my deepest, darkest feelings to. They'd keep everything confidential and they'd give me good advice. So Mm -hmm. that was number one. And then um, I cultivated friends old and new because I found that I'd let go so many of my friends through the marriage. Most of the friends that we had together as as a couple were friends of my husband's or people connected with our joint business. These were not people I could 
you know, go on about problems with my husband. That would have been very unprofessional. Uh, so, you know, I had to reconnect with my old friends. I also wanted to make new friends and create my own circle. That's really important. The third thing, which is part of my writing, because I was brought up on a diet of Monty Python. I love humor, have that kind of snarky sense of humor. So I wanted laughter therapy. I, I, you know, as a former BBC journalist, I used to always follow the news. I wanted to keep up with world affairs, not when I was going through infidelity and absolutely not when I was going through cancer. I gave up watching the news. I didn't want to watch depressing dramas, only comedies. So that was a that was a big deal because mm -hmm. um, laughter. There's again, there are many studies out there that show how healing laughter is. Is it uh, was it that uh, Norman Cousins was he the Norman one who did Cousins with yes. ankylosing spondylitis? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Okay. I think mm -hmm. he said two hours of of of, of um, hearty laughter gave him uh, no one ten minutes of hearty laughter gave him two hours of pain pain-free incredible sleep. yeah and because he was in permanent pain and he eventually got rid of it completely um laughter was a big part mm -hmm. um now the fourth thing was uh actually it's similar to some of the things that uh, Carrie Coody said in in her interview with you um the fourth thing was more about loving your body and becoming beautiful and by that I don't mean being a super supermodel I'll never be a supermodel but you know it's about diet, eating well, and exercise. I found outdoor exercise was absolutely key to banishing the blues. Outdoor exercise, going out in nature, and then getting enough sleep. Those three things were really, really important in terms of looking after your body and not just getting into a slump. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know that stereotype of the depressed woman who's just been left by her man, lying in bed, spooning ice cream out of a tub, watching television. You know, that is the most, you know, the, the worst thing you can do to improve your mood. It's it sort of feeds the depression. Mm -hmm. You really want to get out, move your body, eat well and, and uh, you know, exercise and, and get enough sleep. That's that's key. So that was number Four. Number five was finding my passion and finding my passion was writing, getting into writing and comedy writing in particular. That was that was really great for me. Uh, for other people, it might be volunteering for a cause you really believe in music, art, all the things that you've sort of squashed and not done because you're busy nose to the grindstone looking after your husband and your kids and your business or whatever. Um, and the, the final thing that I did, um, which is probably the hardest, and uh, it's a work in progress, and that's living in the present, trying to live in the present and become more mindful. Because, you know, when you think about it, yesterday's gone, it doesn't exist. So you can churn in your head, well, I should have done this, I should have done that. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? It doesn't matter, it's gone. Uh, and the future, you can start worrying about, well, am I going to be able to do this? Is Am I going to have enough money? Is it going to be bad? Am I never going to find another partner? And all of that. Well, whatever you think in your head is going to happen is fiction. Mm. All you have is now. So you better enjoy the now and live in the now. And actually, that's something that even people who haven't suffered betrayal are often so busy you know, not focusing about the present, they're worrying about the past and they're, you know, churning around in their head what they could do in the future. And whatever's in front of their nose, a beautiful scenery, a wonderful party that, that they're at with lovely people, 
you know, it, it they don't see it. So, yeah. so living in the present is really, really important. I love those tips. Now, what would you say is the, because you said, you know, and, and I, I we had spoken earlier about being the authority on, on uh, infidelity and cancer. What would you say the link is? What is the link? Well, I think the link is, as I said, stress, mm-hmm. because stress causes cancer. Um, as I, as I said earlier, it's, uh, it's, it's, Infidelity is such a huge cause of stress. And if you don't feel loved, some people, and and I was told this, although it didn't really make me feel great when I was dealing with cancer. Oh, yes, it's because you haven't been loved and the breasts are the sign of that. and, and, And that's why you've got breast cancer, because of the lack of love. That's probably true, but that wasn't really what I wanted to hear when I was going through breast cancer because it wasn't like I could rewind the video and go back and and make that love there and not get the cancer. I had the cancer. (laughs) I got it. Okay. So let's talk about it is such a common response once we've been betrayed. We, We are so deeply sad and then we're angry. And that's often where we think about revenge. And those of you who aren't admitting it, come on, you've thought about it and you may not have uh, because you just don't want that on your resume or whatever the reason, it's totally fine. Talk to us about revenge. Yeah, you know, I when I looked online at infidelity sites and people who were talking about their experiences, I was really turned off by all the vitriol. You know, people were sort of churning what had happened and trying to work out complex strategies to take revenge on their partners. And even though I did feel devastated and I definitely wasn't happy with my partner for what he did, I knew in my heart that the best revenge was to get past the need for it. And that became the mantra of my first book, Adulterer's Wife, How to Thrive Whether You Stay or Not, because I felt that, you know, I wanted to put that life energy somewhere else. Why would I want to spend so much time and so much mental energy plotting revenge? And in many ways, revenge hurts you as much as it hurts the person you want to, you know, have vengeance on. Um, it's, it's, it's a toxic, toxic emotion. And I wanted to try to avoid it at all costs. I love that you brought that up. And and I often have this, uh, saying that I share, it's not mine. I don't know whose it is, but it's the best revenge is a life well lived. And I, I just think it's, it's so important. And even more than that, you know, when you think about it, the betrayal already took so much from you. Plotting revenge, I mean, think about what that's doing physically to you. All that cortisol, all the stress, you know, what it's doing to you physically, mentally, and emotionally, it's it's just causing that much more damage. And they already took enough. The, uh, you know, the betrayer, the affair partner already took enough from you. Uh, at that point, we're, we're allowing them to take so much more. So I, I love that you brought that up. So What's the most important thing you'd say you learned from this entire experience? That I wanted to become complete in myself with or without a partner. I think that that is is really um, important because often, you know, especially after you've had um, a relationship that's gone sour, that you, you feel a lot of people go on the rebound and they're desperate and needy. Um, And that is not a recipe for 
a healthy relationship. So you need to learn to be complete in yourself. And then you can have a great relationship with somebody else because you're doing it on an equal footing. You're not expecting them to complete you. Oh, and I love that you said that, that whole you complete me thing. I can't take that. And when you are not at your best, the only uh, person you can attract is a is a match to that. So it's so much more in your it's it's in your best interest to get to that better place so that you attract someone worthy and deserving of who you've become and what you see so clearly now. So um, how has how has infidelity and breast cancer changed your life? It sounds weird, but it's changed my life for the better because um, I learned adversity is, it's a great teacher. And when people talk to me when I was going through cancer about cancer as a teacher, you know, I had to resist the urge to slap them, to be honest, you know, you think, okay, it's a great teacher. You come and and get this lesson. All right. You know, or the same thing, like people who who said, oh, you've got to stay positive because if you don't stay positive, your, your, your cancer is going to come back. Okay. You were never positive when I saw you go through hard times. And now you're expecting me to stay positive all the time. Not possible. That's why laughter is good because laughter is a way to stay positive but you know the lessons were that um i really learned to become uh it, it, it was personal growth i learned to do what i what i wanted if i hadn't gone through this experience and ironically you know in my second book my wild ride how to thrive after breast cancer and infidelity i actually thank the the girlfriend of my ex-husband who's his, who's now his latest wife because had she not come onto the scene I would never exp- have experienced the love the joy the creativity and the freedom that I feel now um, that I didn't even realize I was not having when I was in that relationship but it's so obvious now I'm out of it so those things really changed my life I I became an author my ex-husband wrote his own books and I helped edit them for him Um, now I write my own books I don't have to deal with editing somebody else's material I write my own (laughs) and that's wonderful Right. This is how you know, everybody listening, everybody watching, this is how you know someone is clear out the other side when they're grateful for their experience. And I know there's a, this happens, we see in out of the five stages from betrayal to breakthrough, we'll see this as someone leaves stage three, enters into stage four, they're not ready to even consider something like that. Grateful, are you crazy? And they get so angry and, and you know, at the person who suggests that, but exactly what you said when you see how it's helped you grow and helped you change and shaped who you are ready to become now it's a very different experience it's a new version of you who's showing up now because of that and and everybody that's what post-betrayal transformation looks like cj is a perfect example of it so as we wrap up what do you want to make sure everyone knows Actually, there are two things about breast cancer awareness that I'd love to get out there. Um, the first thing is that I found I did tons of research for my book. It's very, very well researched, huge bibliography. I found that from one book I read called Dress to Kill, a link between breast cancer and bras, that 
the link between breast cancer and bras is stronger than that between smoking and lung cancer. So what have I done? I have thrown away my bra. I've given up wearing a bra. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, I'm much healthier for it, even though I have to say the mainstream community does not accept it because they point to just one study that was done in 2014 that shows no link between bras and breast cancer, but that one had no control group and only looked at postmenopausal women in whom the effects were much weaker. So that's the first thing. The second thing was that I took a controversial view. I did not want to have mastectomies. Um, I was advised to have that the second time around. I had lumpectomies instead, but what I didn't like was the frequent uh, incidence of implant illness. Breast implant illness is very, very real. Nicole Deruda's Breast Implant Illness Facebook site, um, it's a support group, has over 170,000 members to date. Um, so those are things that I would, would like your, uh, your listeners to be aware of because they are, you know, they're key things. If, if I can stop one woman from getting sick or, you know, having difficulties and pain and suffering, it's worth it. No, so, so that, and then finally, there's always hope. You and I are testaments to that. You know, you can get through it. And, um, you know, uh, on my website, cjauthor.com, that's cjauthor.com, I actually have some free resources that people can download um, about infidelity and breast cancer that I think are very, very useful. Um, I'm biased, of course, because I wrote them. Um, but, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I think that that is, is the best thing. And then the final thing I would say as a Monty Python aficionado, the thing that, 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 that I would say and that I'm very glad about is I'm not dead yet. <laughs> I have a badge to prove it. And um, as we are still alive and walking around and in decent health, I think that's always a good thing. That's uh, good health is is worth more than diamonds and gold. CJ, that is such a wonderful place to end. I want to thank you so much. Of course, we'll have all of your information in the show notes. Thank you so much for uh, just showing us the upside of trauma and, and what you can do with it. And you're such a beautiful example of transformation, transforming after illness, transforming after infidelity. So Dear listeners, dear viewers, you're taking a look, you're taking a listen. You do not have to stay stuck. It could be the best turning point leading you to your next best step. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you so much too. Lots of wise nuggets there from breast implant illness to bra safety, to the importance of being complete with or without a partner. CJ had lots of wisdom to share. Stay in touch with her by going to cjauthor.com and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at the pbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway between the death of a relationship, the huge stress it creates where you now have issues like moving out of your home, financial stress, and more all are gigantic stressors that can absolutely contribute to illness and disease. What can you do? One, have people you can confide in. Of course, that's what we do within the PBT Institute. Two, reconnect or connect with friends. You need support from people you feel safe with. Three, try laughter therapy. Be careful to avoid negative people, news, drama, and more. Four, love your body, treat it well by eating well, exercising, getting outside in nature, and getting enough sleep. 
five, find your passion, whether it's writing, painting, or something else that helps you express yourself. Six, live in the present. That's the only moment we can control anyway. Again, speaking of support, a safe place and people who get it and can help, come join us within the PBT Institute so you can move from being sick, sad, and stuck to transformed. Head over to the PBT, as in post-betrayal transformation, thepbtinstitute.com. We have lots of programs based on your needs and budget. They're all great. The only mistake is staying stuck. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.